I have a love-hate relationship with GPS, right? Confession is good for the soul. I love it because in some ways it takes all of the decisions out of driving. And when we lived in Vancouver, Annabeth is totally directionally impaired. Go, you go ask her. if She will walk out of a store in a mall and turn in the wrong direction. And like I have, it's all mapped in my head. In Vancouver, mountains were north, ocean was west, so she was good. When we moved to Ontario, she's lost. So GPS is, is a great thing for people who can't find their way. But I'm tired of being insulted by my car, right? I, I'm tired of whether it's the you know, English chick or the Australian bloke or Siri, Siri. Like, why am I hurt by Siri? Why can she say such awful, hurtful things, right? She's not anything. So we, we were on our way home from a trip in the States a couple of years ago. And we, we did the whole GPS thing. So it, when it works, it's fantastic, right? So we programmed in home. And I'm smart enough to know you, you, you program in some common destinations, right? So you have home, you have work, you know, grocery store, bank, whatever it is. So I typed in home. And we're traveling up through the Midwest towards home. And I'm getting increasingly concerned about where we're headed because it's it tells me we're going home it tells me how long it's going to take us to get home and that seems about right and i'm following the directions really really carefully did you know in the state of michigan there's a town called home <laughs> seriously so as we were veering westward, I'm thinking, I don't think we're going to the right place. I think I've got the wrong home programmed in. So from then on, I'm a little more suspicious, and I want to make sure that the GPS is telling me the right direction to go in. Do you know what's worse than not having home programmed in? Um, the destination is to have the starting point wrong. It's more serious to have the starting point wrong when you're trying to find directions for driving or life on a GPS or in your everyday. It's more serious to start at the wrong place than to have to figure out where you're headed to if you at least know where you started from. So I, I'm going to talk to you just for a few minutes today about this whole idea um, of knowing where we start from. Because if you don't start at the right place, you'll never get to the right destination. If you follow directions, you can seem as though you're following the right directions. You can turn when you're told to turn. Some of it can make sense along the way. Some of it can be meaningful along the way. But unless you started at the right place, you're not going to get to the right destination. So you, you know where I'm going with that, right? We're talking about knowing God. Um, I was reading um, an introduction to a sermon by Spurgeon, who's thought to be sort of the, the all-time greatest preacher centuries ago now. And Spurgeon began this sermon by saying that everybody's proper pursuit 
must be the knowledge of God, to know God. And as I read that, I thought to myself, I wonder how long it was after he said that, that that was a comment that was kind of out of time, that it was anachronistic, it was something sort of old-fashioned. How long did it take before there was not a universal Western assent that said, of course, humankind should seek to know God? I mean, what were the universities started for? What was all of that about? And then as I thought about how long it took until that wasn't in the mainstream, to the point of asking the question, I wonder when it was, then it became something that was totally peripheral to most people's lives, where it was something that was relegated to the unimportant, to the irrelevant, and to the disinterest and uninterest of, of humankind in the West. How many people would you talk to today in the coffee shop and you would ask them, what do you think is the most important thing to know about in life? How many people do you think would answer the question by saying, well, God? And it's a confusing question because now the notions of God popularly have changed so much. I mean, are you talking about God or gods? And what about all the religions around the world? And how can you really know um, and certainly, how can you believe what you're told in church anymore? Because what we used to think they thought about God, they don't even seem to think that about God anymore. And it doesn't seem to be such an important matter for them either. Um, and, you know, I've heard that you can't even count on the Bible. Like, I've heard that it's been um, pretty much debunked. So, no, God is certainly not the first thing I think about. Honestly, God is something I only have passing thoughts about. I think about God when I go to a funeral. Think about God when I'm in a really tough spot, and that's when I, I do the negotiating prayer. If you, God, if you are there, if you get me out of this, I promise you such and such. It'd be, it'd be fun to tabulate all of those promises that were actually kept right after somebody made them, and things got better. We're talking about knowing God as a pursuit in our lives and as something that we would like to study together. And in talking about knowing God, I, I introduced to you last week this whole idea of there being two perspectives. So today I want to claim that Spurgeon was right, that if we don't pursue a knowledge of God, if we don't try to know God, we're, we're just basically at sea in terms of being able to have meaningful lives. And, you know, you, you might push back on that and say, no, I think I know a lot of people who live what they think are pretty meaningful lives, and they wouldn't agree with you. So um, maybe I want to be alone and just speak out and say, yeah, but um, are they starting at the right place? Because if they're not starting at the right place, they might, may not even agree with this, but I would like to propose if they don't start at the right place, they can't get to the right destination. So we talked about these two perspectives. The two perspectives are those of a balconier and of a traveler. Gene, this picture's for you, okay? Because you know I don't like cats. And there it is. So I'm choosing a new picture every year of a balcony and a pathway, and this one has a cat. It's the only one will ever have a cat in it. So I'm glad you're here to see that. So there are those who are on the balcony and they are those who conjecture about life. 
They are the ones who theorize about life, and they are the ones who philosophize about God and theology and all of the rest. And that's a good thing to be doing. But there are also those who are not only balconiers, but they are travelers. They are down on the pathway, they are on the road, and they are experiencing life. Both are necessary perspectives, is what we said last week. We need the balconiers because we need to know what's, what's sort of the framework within which we understand God. And knowing God is a great primer for that. It's a great book that says, here are the categories in which we have talked about God, thought about God, and believe about God. But the balconier doesn't do very much good about really progressing in knowing God himself. That's the traveler. And the traveler is walking the path of life and needs to know some of the theory because he needs to know how to apply that into the days of his life, into the paths into the journey that is ahead of him. And so the traveler needs to talk to the balconier. The balconier needs to talk to the traveler. And they together should be a good team. They should be a good dance pair um, about how it is that we embark on this journey of knowing God, as we say. So I want to talk about one verse of Scripture, and I want to make two really ordinary observations as we start out on this study of the knowing of God. Proverbs 1 verse 7 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And the book of Proverbs is a case study in what it would look like to be someone who fears God and doesn't despise instruction. So Solomon says, I'm writing to you, my son. I'm writing to you to give you wisdom, to show you how you can become mature, to show you how you can make the decisions in life that are necessary for you to be a person who is pleasing to God and lives a wise and successful life. So Solomon's theme, Solomon's motto in the book of Proverbs, because we hear it again, is that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. If you don't start with the fear of the Lord, you won't get to the product of knowledge. If you don't start with the fear of the Lord, you may think about other things, but you will not think productively. And that is the claim of the theist or of the Christian, that you cannot dispense with consideration of the person of God and the knowledge of God and believe that you're going to live a productive life. And yet how many people would be able to say that honestly somewhere um, at the center of their thinking is this wondering and uh, deliberating and learning about who the person of God is, the fear of the Lord, does not mean to be afraid of God. The fear of the Lord is a covenant term that basically talks about um, having a reverential relationship with him that follows the terms of his covenant, that has entered into a relationship with him, whereby one submits to God, walks with God, talks to God, and continues to press on. If somebody could bring me a, a glass of water or something, that'd be great. It won't bother you all as much if I'm not choking over my throat. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And contrary to that, or the opposite of that, 
is the category of the fool. So in, in Proverbs, there are two people. Um, they are called the wise, and they are called the fools. And the wise listen to lady wisdom, and the fools listen to dame folly, we're told. Thank you, ma'am. Perfect. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. As we go through the study of the knowledge of God, knowing God, I want to challenge you to think about the degree to which knowing God, the fear of God, is the start point in your life. If you tell people the story of your life, do you start with God? If you tell people about the plans for your life, do you start with God? As you tell people about the plans for your family, do you start with God? As you tell people about the plans for your business, do you start with God? Or would you have to say, oh my goodness, no, actually, that's kind of an afterthought. And the second part of it is that those who despise wisdom and instruction will end up living lives that are pure folly. The two things I want to say to you this morning are very, very obvious. That if we are to live lives <clears throat> that are meaningful, um, purposeful, that are spiritual and religious, we need to, to start with God. So I encourage you to think about where God starts your thinking in all of your deliberations and conclusions about the meaning of life, origin, meaning, purpose. Do you start with God or do you start somewhere else? If you start with your own mind, you're already in trouble because your mind is a created mind. It's not the creator. And so you need to ask, well, who put the mind in my head? So how, how am I going to, first of all, submit that mind to God and then proceed from that point on? And then how do I be sure that I'm not a person who would be characterized by despising wisdom and instruction? Start with God. And ask for directions. Right? Guys, this is probably just a talk for you. Um, ask for directions. My granddaughter, a couple of years ago, was in the backseat of the car. And she was getting worried. So she finally said, uh, Gramps, are we lost? I don't know where the thought came to her from. I didn't, wasn't particularly driving in circles or whatever, but... She had a hunch that we might be lost. And I think from her daddy, she also had the hunch that if we were lost, we wouldn't be asking for directions if we were the guy, right? Ask for directions. Start with God, ask for directions. If you ask for directions, you begin to show a humility of heart and mind that is pleasing to God. And yet how often do we resist asking for help, asking for guidance, when was the last time you sat down with somebody and said, I, I just want to ask for some wisdom from you. I want, I want to ask you to give me some direction in this whole thing. So you remember the, the hot tub that we had out here? Worked like a charm. It's in the closet, ready to pull back out as soon as you're all ready. Not baptized ones yet. So when we inflated the thing, I mean, it inflated like a charm. And then there was this lovely sort of baffled thing um, that remember when when we did the little kids thing and um, 
I don't know, was it you, Joel? But somebody said, "Can is this like a bouncy castle? Because there's this thing at the bottom, right, which is a um, like a an air mattress. It was perfect. Fits right in the bottom of the hot tub. So then as we're filling the hot tub with water, this thing won't stay down. So it, it keeps floating to the top. And I'm thinking, how, how are we going to keep it down when we get in the hot tub to do the baptisms? Because this crazy thing keeps on floating to the top. So you know what I did? I read the instructions. And they referred to this inflatable lid. Right? And all the women are going, oh my goodness. Right? And all the guys are going, yeah. Right? Ask for instructions. Uh, Two very, very easy rules of life, but they're really profound. So the theology of this is if you don't start with a knowledge of God, you're just not going to make headway. If you don't start with the knowledge of God in terms of science, you may go off on some crazy theories. But if you start with the knowledge of God, all science is God's science. Nobody's afraid of science if they're God followers. Because science is simply the declaration, the demonstration of who he is and what he has done. But if we make science our God... There's enough of the corruption that we keep talking about that is in and around that we're going to get ourselves in trouble. So start with God in everything and just challenge yourself and say, in in every area of my life that I think and plan, where does God fit? Is he actually at the start or is he somewhere peripheral? Is he somewhere incidental along the way? And right here in church on a Sunday morning, we're probably ready to raise our hands and say, you bet, let's make God the first. And then tomorrow morning, a decision has to be made, and the last thing on your mind is God, because it's with me as well. The first thing might be on my mind is what I want, what I think would be better for me, what I prefer, what my experience has taught me. But is God the first thought? What am I doing with my kids? What am I dealing with my kids? Do I start with God and say, how is it that this life needs to be influenced towards knowing God? Not how can I make sure this kid gets into university or gets a good job, right? Or gets a good spouse. What, what is God as he starts any part of my thinking or planning? Where is he? And secondly, and again, maybe for guys, Ask for help. Ask for directions. So Solomon says, here's what it's all about. I am the wisest man who ever lived. I'm about to tell you, my son, what the key to wise living is. First, always start with God. And second, ask for directions. Ask for directions. Go to God's word and ask God, what does this tell me about this situation that helps me put you first and proves that I'm not a fool at this point in my life. And when what I read corrects me, change. Or when somebody talks to me and says, you know what? And I look at their finger and I say, okay, I hear that. I do not want to be a fool. I don't want to be foolhardy. I don't want to be headstrong. I don't want to be resistant. I want to receive instruction and love wisdom and as we go through this whole series in knowing God, let's put that up there. We want to make sure that we are balanced properly between balconiers and travelers.
But we also want to be people who live by these two rules of thumb. Is God first here? And what directions do I need? What help do I need? What instructions do I need so that I may become a wise person? There's an old story about a person asking for directions in Tennessee. And I I love Tennessee because it's got the best accent next to Arkansas, I think. So this guy stops and he asks for directions and and he says, I'm looking for such and such a place. And there's an old timer. He's rocking on his rocking chair with a straw in his mouth. And he says, well, y'all got to go down the road about two miles and you get to this Billy Bob's Tavern right there, turn a left. And then about um, when, let's see, when, when you see there's, um, there's a field there. I, I think they've sown it already. So when you get there, you're going to turn, wait, no, that's not it. Yeah. Um, no, never mind Billy Bob's place. There's a gas station you're going down. Same road, just go farther. And when you see the gas station, it's a shell station, was turn right there. And then three, three yards, uh, uh, no, it's not it either. You can't get there from here. <laughs> if you don't start at the right place with God in your thinking, you can't get there from here. Simple as that. So are we sure we're starting at the right place all the time for big things as well as small things in life? That's our challenge. Start with God. Ask for help.